you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. It's hard to preach with y'all here because I'm so used to a camera and now I'm looking at you and I just want to kind of cry a little bit. Uh, I'm struck, I'm overwhelmed with, even at a distance with masks and beach chairs, uh, the goodness for us to be together. Um, I'm going to stop. Jen's smiling at me. I'm going to stop now, and I'm going to start with the sermon. Uh, You kids who got a Bible today, how many times do you think you have said the Apostles' Creed? A hundred? A million. Okay, I think that's an exaggeration, Trish. I think a million. Okay. So if we figure 50 times a year, for however many years you've been saying it out loud, I calculated I've done it at least 2,000 times. We got some folks here in some of these cards who've probably done it 6,000 times. There's a statement right in the middle of that Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Does that statement take your breath away or does it seem like a simple statement of fact? Starts to feel like a statement of fact, doesn't it? We, we say it week after week. We declare, this is what I believe. These are the same words from, from the work that... Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of wind going on that microphone. It's the same words that Peter confesses at this moment in the scripture day that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. In that moment, it's, a, it's an incredibly profound and revolutionary and scary statement that they're making. That Jesus is the Messiah of Israel's hope, the the Son of God himself. For us, we don't have the context they had. Their context is a people in desperation. A people who have sat for 400 years and wondered if their God has given up on them. 400 years of, is God coming back? Are we actually going to have the blessings he promised? What is going on? We're under oppression has God forgotten us? See, uh, the, the call to worship we did this morning that Janelle read, this comes from the Psalms. These, these cries and statements that are born out of captivity in Babylon, these, these uh, songs to God that say, where are you? We trust you, but where are you? Vicki read us this passage, or Donna read us this passage from Isaiah these texts that in the middle of captivity go, God is going to deliver you. He's going to provide a Messiah, a Christ, an anointed one. Someone who's going to suffer on your behalf. Someone who's going to rescue you and redeem you. And then they wait. For 400 years they wait. They see empire after empire rise up and dominate them. This God who was supposedly strong enough to bring them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, lets them keep being dominated by new foreign powers. 
For all his promises to Abraham that they would have a land and that they would be a blessing and they would be a nation and he would be their God, none of it seems to be happening. They're, they're back in the land. They've got a temple that's disappointing, but even they know that God is not uh, really in their midst right now. And so they keep waiting. They keep expecting that something is going to happen. And it keeps not happening. Where is this king like David who's going to come in and, and win the battle, going to defeat Rome? Where is this, uh, this mighty one who is going to be God's presence and deliver us? And then Jesus is born. This one that John the Baptist says, prepare the way. This is who we've been waiting for. This is the one that Isaiah warned us about. Make the path straight. He's coming. And Jesus comes on the scene and the first things they do is they flee. They don't run towards as a family towards the battle. They run away as children fleeing from Herod. They, uh, they kind of grow up and Jesus is about 30. He starts his ministry and at every point he has an opportunity to go and confront the powers, right? To, to raise up the army and fight the battle and he never does it. Instead, regularly, when he has a chance to fight the Pharisees, he withdraws and goes somewhere else. But he's, he's captivating a certain crowd. He's doing these miracles. He's healing folks. He's teaching these teachings. And he's, he's making bold claims. He's inviting people in to see that, that maybe God has not given up on them. That maybe God is going to do what God has promised in a way that they have never expected. The, the first 15, 16 chapters of Matthew's gospel make the case that Jesus is the Messiah. The one that Israel has been hoping for. That he is the Son of God. That he is God's anointed one. The Christ. The one who is going to set them free ultimately. We come right here to this point which kind of stands as the middle point of this gospel. And Jesus says, Who do you say, who do people say the human one is? Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, and others say the prophets. I've read this passage hundreds of times in my life, and it has struck me in a new way. Uh, it says here the human one. In most of your translations it probably says, who, who do they say the son of man is, right? Son of man. Uh, a representative of general humanity, right? Right, Janelle? A, uh, a declaration that Jesus is uh, human, not just divine, right? It's also referencing Daniel 7. This is Jesus' preferred self-identity. Self so, here when he says, who do they say the Son of Man is, hear these words. Uh, this is from Daniel 7. I was watching, thrones were raised up, the ancient one took his seat, his clothes were white like snow, his hair was like a lamb's wool, his throne was made of flame, its wheels were blazing fire. A river of fire flowed out from its presence, thousands upon thousands served him, ten thousand times ten thousand stood ready to serve him. The court sat in session and the scrolls were opened. As I continue to watch this vision, one like a human being, the Son of Man, 
coming from heavenly clouds. He came and sat with the ancient one. It was presented before him. Rule, glory, and kingship were given to him. All people's nations, languages will serve him. His rule is everlasting. It will never pass away. His kingship is indestructible. Jesus' self-designation is a whole lot more than, yes, he's a person. He's making this claim right here at this very moment that he is the one that Daniel had the vision of, that he is the one who is going to stand beside God the Father and rule, that his kingdom will last forever. And he says, who do you say that I am? The people have said Elijah, the people have said Jeremiah, and Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. This changes everything for the, the entire course of history. From this moment, things begin to move at a pace that is unexpected. Jesus turns his face toward Jerusalem and says, Look, here's what's going to happen. Now I'm going to go set things right. And it's not going to happen by me coming in and taking a throne. It's going to happen by me go and going to a cross. It's going to happen by me being raised up in three days and then giving you the Spirit... The pace of Matthew shifts dramatically and moves from here on out in this bizarre way that hinges right on this passage. In this moment, Jesus has said, Peter, I'm giving you a role in what happens in the kingdom. No more is it just what God is doing, but you, the, these apostles, you get, you get to kind of stand in this space between heaven and earth, and what you do on earth matters what happens in heaven. The story speeds by all the way to the cross to the resurrection and to Jesus giving the disciples a command to go and make new disciples. The Spirit's poured out at Pentecost. The church grows like wildfire. Uh, all of a sudden, this church, this, these people who, who were under the oppression of Rome, now grow farther than the boundaries of Rome. And they're told how to live. Vicki read to you the uh, chapter, uh, Romans 12, 1 through 8 from the CEB. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts this in, this in his message. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention to God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This Son of Man, who in some way reigns cosmically with God the Father, has poured out His Spirit upon us and invited us to be participants in this thin space between heaven and earth. And, and what is asked of us is not to go and mount an insurrection, but to literally take our lives and offer them as a gift to God. You kids who got your Bibles today, kids who've been through confirmation, the youth who are uh, going through high school Young adults dealing with whatever college looks like. Parents, older folks, people in our retirement homes. God has, has a mission for us. To lay our lives down as an offering for him. This, this God who gave himself up for us. This one who took on flesh. 
Because if we actually believe what we say in the creed, our lives are different. We're invited to be participants in this, this space where when we say that I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, we're declaring that God has made things new and is making things new. We're, we're entering into the work that God is doing. We're accepting the power of the Spirit to go and stand over and against the world. Friends, preachers have been saying it for a long time, but the world needs our witness more than ever. There is not a news story that gets posted that isn't polarizing these days. You can't post a thing on Facebook without somebody coming after you about whether you're right or left. We're going to have kids being homeschooled while both parents are trying to work. We're going to have an election that I think is going to be nastier than any election we've ever had. But we're people who serve the Son of God, the Christ of Israel's hope, the Son of Man who reigns with the Father in heaven and who's invited us to stand over and against culture and to offer our lives as a sacrifice that bears witness to that love that God has for us. Church is not going to look the same this fall. We're hoping to, we're hoping to get back in the building soon. We're hoping to figure out how we do confirmation for this group of fifth graders this year that's uh, learning from our Zoom last year. We hope to figure out how to do more covenant groups and we're, we're going to do church as best we can. Folks are going to do school the best they can. You know you're going to go to work the best you can. But what we know we can do is we can offer ourselves up as a, as a living sacrifice. As an offering that declares that Jesus is the Son of God. The Messiah of Israel is hoping that his spirit has been poured out on us. Kids, your friends, they need to see in you the love of God. Parents, there's going to be some folks who don't even know how to handle what's coming this fall, and they need to see from you the love of God. Folks in the nursing homes, now more than ever, we need you to do your ministry of intercession and pray for the church in the world. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. May we reclaim this as a powerful, profound statement that literally changes the face of the world and invites us to be part of that change. I worry... I worry not about us uh, ceasing, but I do worry about us getting domesticated. I worry about us getting comfortable, cozy, and, and not feeling uh, how profound these statements are. And not feeling the weight of what God has called us to do and what he has called us to be. That's why I love the table, because week after week it reminds us of who Jesus is. The Messiah of Israel's hope. The, the Son of Man who reigns. 
The Son of God who took on flesh and literally gave himself up for us. The one who, who has turned things like this bread and this cup into his body and his blood. And then in some strange way pours out his grace that we might go from here and be a living sacrifice in a world that so desperately needs it. When you pulled in, you got a, a little prepackaged cup with a wafer on top. Go ahead and grab those. You might even start opening because we're going to do the liturgy. And I know these little prepackaged things are not fun. There's a little pull on the top and then there's a pull on the bottom. I love a common loaf. I love a common cup. But, but more than that, I love the table. I love the way God pours out his grace here. So Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Would you join me in praying our great thanksgiving? The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is a right and good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth, you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting. You alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so, with all your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself, our light and our salvation. In his baptism and table fellowship, you took his place with sinners. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce the time had come when you would save your people. By the baptism of a suffering death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Christ Jesus, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here.
pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and cup and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church all honor and glory is yours Almighty Father now and forever. Friends, the bread we've been sharing is the body of Christ. And the juice we share is the blood of Christ. As you have and as you're ready, uh, feel free to take your, um, your elements. This is the body and blood of Christ given for you. you pray with me? Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you've given yourself to us. Grant that we might go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.